The Writings of Isaac Pennington, Volume 2, Chapter 15, The Letters of Isaac Pennington, Part 4 of 4. To Richard Roberts, Dear R.R., You did acquaint me that Timothy Fly, the Anabaptist teacher, did charge me with denying Christ's humanity, and also the blood of Christ which was shed at Golgotha, outside the gates of Jerusalem, and that I acknowledge no other Christ except he that is within me. Certain I am that neither Timothy Fly, nor any other man, did ever hear me deny that Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, according to the flesh, or that it was his blood which was shed outside the gates of Jerusalem. And the Lord, who knows my heart, knows that such a thing was never in my heart. No, for I do greatly value that flesh and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and witness forgiveness of sins and redemption through it. Yet, if I should say that I do not also know, nor partake of his flesh and blood and spirit, I should not be a faithful witness to the Lord. For there is the mystery of God and of Christ, and it is the soul's food which gives life to the soul, even the living bread and the living water. There is a knowing Christ after the flesh, and there is a knowing him after the spirit, and a feeding on his spirit and life. And this does not destroy his appearing in the flesh, or the blessed ends thereof, but rather confirms and fulfills them. Indeed, the acknowledging of Christ's being inwardly in his saints does not deny his appearing outwardly in the body that was prepared for him, unless Timothy Fly can prove this, that the same Christ that appeared outwardly cannot appear inwardly. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? 2 Corinthians 13.5 And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, etc. Romans 8.10 Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. Revelation 3.20 I will come again, says Christ. You are now in pain, as a woman in travail, full of sorrow for the loss of my outward bodily presence, but I will come to you again in spirit. See John 16 and John 14:17. He that dwells with you shall be in you. And then, when the bridegroom is inwardly and spiritually in you and with you, your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man will take from you. John 16:22. And so the apostle and primitive Christians did rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, 1 Peter 1.8, because of the spiritual appearance and presence of the bridegroom. And yet, there is no other bridegroom who now appears in spirit or spiritually in the hearts of his own than he who once appeared in the body prepared for him to do the Father's will therein. Isaac Pennington to the Independence at Canterbury. Dear friends, I have been a seeker after God and a worshiper of Him from my childhood, according to the best of my understanding. And for a time I sat down in that way which is called independency, believing it to be the way of the gospel and entering into it with much fear and seeking of God. In this time the Lord had regard to the uprightness and tenderness of heart which He Himself had formed in me. But... At length, the Lord's hand fell upon me, breaking me all to pieces as to my inward state. For what cause, I had then no knowledge of at all, but I mourned before him unutterably, 
night and day, and lay panting and languishing after him who was the only beloved of my soul. Many pitied me, but none could reach my state, and after much serious discourse with me, they greatly wondered. Some said it was a unique case, and would doubtless end in goodwill and mercy from the Lord to me. I parted from the independence in great love and tenderness, they expecting my return to them again, and I knowing nothing to the contrary, the love between me and them being so exceedingly great, and I having let in no prejudice against them. But it pleased the Lord, after many years, when my hope nearly failed, to visit me in a wonderful manner, breaking my heart in pieces, giving me to feel his pure, living power, and the raising of his holy seed in my heart thereby. Then I cried out inwardly before him, This is he, this is he whom I have sought after and so much wanted. This is the pearl, this is the holy leaven. Do what you will with me, afflict me how you will, and as long as you please, so that at length I may be joined with this seed and become one with it. So the eye of my understanding was from that day anointed, and I saw and felt the pure life of the Son made manifest in me. Indeed, the Father drew me to him as to a living stone, and has built my soul upon him. He brought me to Mount Zion, the holy city of our God, where the river of life sends forth its streams which refresh and make glad the holy city, and all the tabernacles that are built on God's holy hill. And truly, from this holy hill and city, the law and word of life does issue forth, and the inhabitants of the rock of life hear it, and are friends to the bridegroom, and glad of the bridegroom's voice. These follow the Lamb, the shepherd and bishop of their souls, wheresoever he leads, and he leads them into the pastures of life, and the folds of pure rest, and gives them eternal life to feed upon. O oh, you independence! whom I have loved above all people. I never had thoughts of departing from you, but was forcibly taken by the hand of the Lord out of your society, and yet not without a desire to return to you again, if the Lord pleased to make any way thereto. O oh, beloved independence, that you could hear the sensible, experienced testimony that is on my heart to you concerning my beloved, concerning his appearance, concerning his church, concerning his way, his truth, his kingdom. It is nearer than you are aware, and above all that you can comprehend concerning it. Oh, that you might inwardly know these things. Turn in, turn in. Mind what stirs in your hearts and moves against sin, and also what moves towards sin. The one is the Son's life, the Son's grace, the Son's spirit. The other is the spirit and nature which is contrary to it. If you could only come to the sense of this and come to a true inward silence and waiting and turning at the reproofs of heavenly wisdom and know the heavenly drawings into that which is holy and living, then you would soon find the Lord working in your hearts to stop the issues of death and to open the issues of life. You would find yourselves anointed daily by the Lord, for there is not a day that we do not need to see nor a day where the Lord does not give sight. And an understanding also would be given to you to know him that is true, and an abiding in him that is true, even the eternal life. 1 John 1, 2 And abiding here, you cannot fail to receive power, 
from him who ministers according to the power of the endless life, not only to overcome sin and your soul's enemies, but to become sons of God with delight performing his will. Then the yoke which yokes down and subdues sin in you will be easy. Yes, it will be the ease, pleasure, and joy of your souls. May the Lord open an ear in you to hear, that you may become experiencers and possessors of these things. For of a truth, the Lord is arisen to shake terribly the earth, and to build up his Zion, and to give unto his people a peaceable habitation, and sure dwellings, and a quiet resting place upon Mount Zion. Isaiah thirty-two eighteen. Isaac Pennington to Francis Portage. Friend, there is a mind which can never know nor receive the things of God's kingdom, and yet this mind is very busy in searching and inquiring after them. The scribes and Pharisees were questioning Christ and desiring satisfaction about the kingdom and about his doctrine and miracles and the practice of his disciples, but they could never find satisfaction. Yet the disciples themselves were many times afraid to ask Christ questions, there being a dread of God upon their spirits and a limit to the knowing and inquiring part in them. For indeed, the true birth learns under the yoke. This, therefore, is precious, to come to feel that which limits the natural mind, which is forward and inquisitive without the true nature and sense. Indeed, it is good, for that mind to receive the yoke, and to be limited by it, and famished. For famine is appointed for that mind and birth. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, this is precious and greatly needful, that a man know, discern, and watch against that wisdom and understanding in himself, which God will destroy and bring to nothing. For, to be sure, While he is learning and striving to know with that mind, God will never teach him, but rather hide the mystery of life and salvation from him. And what is all man's knowledge worth, that he learns of himself without God's teaching? What good is that which man receives into the understanding which is to perish and be destroyed? In the new understanding, God sets up the true light, but in the other understanding there are false lights set up, which do not give a true distinction of good and evil, but they call good evil and evil good, and put darkness for light and light for darkness. Indeed, they cannot do otherwise, for the light in them is darkness, not being the gift of grace whereby they see and judge, but a light of their own forming, according to their own comprehension of things, in the dark and false understanding. Now, The Lord has taught us the difference between all these lights and the light of His grace which purely teaches, livingly teaches, not in the reasonings of the mind, but in the evidence and demonstration of God's Spirit in the soul and conscience. When we came to see in this light, we found that which we had called good, according to our former apprehension of things, was not so in the true balance. And what we thought had pleased God was abominable in His eyes. And truly, all that have not come to this light offer that which is abominable to God, and yet think it pleases Him. Oh, what a gross and dangerous mistake this is! Indeed, all such things are no better than acts of man's own will, 
which are done outside of the light, life, virtue, and power of God's Spirit. For the root must be good, or the fruit cannot be good. The mind must be renewed, or the knowledge is but old, dead, literal, and fleshly. The fleshly understanding seeks to comprehend and receive knowledge, but can never know or receive what is spiritual. Truly, the Lord has led us a great way on our journey, and has done great things inwardly for and in our spirits. Yet if we were not kept under the yoke, and that part in us still had liberty to know, live, act, and worship, we should yet perish and be cut off from the land of the living. Isaac Pennington In reply to an answer of I.H. Dear friend, Indeed, to speak properly, the church of the gospel, or the new covenant church, is invisible. The persons in whom the church is are visible, yet the new covenant church is not a society of men, but rather of the invisible life within men. It is a fellowship in the faith, in the spirit, which is the bond of their unity and of their peace. The life is breathed invisibly into the hidden man, John 3.8, and is there nourished and built up invisibly into a spiritual, invisible temple, house, or church, and in that is the unity and fellowship. So the church is a mystery, and the fellowship is a mystery, which is hid from every eye but the eye of life. There is no having fellowship one with another, except by coming to that and keeping in that, wherein is the fellowship. 1 John 1, seven. The church is built of inward Jews, whom God seeks to frame his new house of worship under the gospel. John 4.23 Now, of such stones as these, the Lord builds up a temple for his spirit to dwell in, a house for his life and presence to manifest itself in, even a church for the living God. This building is by the spirit, in the spirit, and of that which is spiritual. This building is one with the foundation, and therefore is the pillar and ground of truth, which none is but Christ, and that which is married to him, and so one with him. 1 Timothy 3.15 It is the candlestick within the persons. That is the church. It is not any outward meeting of persons, or joining together by covenants, or receiving or practicing of ordinances, that can make a church, but rather the eternal life in believers, formed by the Spirit into a candlestick to hold the eternal lamp or light with the everlasting oil of salvation. The light, thus shining in this candlestick, continually refreshed by this oil, here is a flourishing temple wherever it is found. Here is the church of the living God. Here is the spouse married to the Lamb, her husband. But if you grieve the Spirit, quench the Spirit, despise the prophesying thereof, and light a candle of the fleshly wisdom and knowledge of the things of God instead of these, then the oil soon fails. When the oil fails, the lamp goes out. And the lamp, or light, being gone out of the candlestick, the Lord soon removes the candlestick. And once the candlestick is removed, the very same persons may meet together often and hold up the form performing things mentioned in the scriptures concerning a church and observing such things as they may call the institutions and ordinances thereof, but they are far from continuing to be a church. Take away the faith, what is left of a Christian, and take away the candlestick, 
what is left of the church. It is the Spirit alone that can square stones and fit them for the building of a church. He alone can build them up into a house when He has squared them. Ephesians 2.22 And after He has built, He can also pull down again and bring into a wilderness state. For there is a wilderness state of Christianity as well as a built state. Revelation 12.6 And just as it is dangerous to be out of the church in its built state, so too is it dangerous remaining in that building which the Spirit of the Lord has forsaken. Now, if the Spirit be the builder, surely then he will take in no stones except such as he has first squared and fitted for the building. The church is a body gathered in the Spirit and watching to the Spirit. And the Spirit is present there with his pure, searching, discerning eyes, so that nothing that is impure can enter each stone watching to the Spirit according to the order of the gospel. There is not one counterfeit Jew. There is not so much as one false apostle, though they clothe themselves ever so like angels of light. Revelation 22. But if they are negligent and come off from the watch, not waiting for the guidance of the Spirit, then that which is corrupt may creep in and endanger the body. Jude 4. Isaac Pennington to Bridget Attlee. Dear friend, I am sensible of your sore travail and deep distress, and how hard it is for you to meet with that which is comfortable and refreshing, and how easily again it is lost. And I know from where this arises, even from the working of the enemy, and a mystery of deceit in your heart, wherein you do not perceive or suspect him, but instead swallow down his baits, and so he smites you with his hook and thereby draws you back into the region of darkness. Then he enters that part in you which is in nature one with him, filling it with his wickedness and laying loads of accusations upon you as if they were true. These are not strange things to the travelers after the Lord, but such as are usually met with in the like cases. But if your eye were made single and open by the Lord, you would see those baits and turn away from that which you now so readily swallow down. And so avoid the stroke and keep your place in the light and mercy of the Lord. You must not look so much at the evil that is near, but rather at he who stands ready to pity and help, and who has pitied and helped your distressed soul, and will pity and help it again. Why is there a mercy seat but for the sinner to look towards in time of need? Neither must you hearken to the questionings of the ensnaring questioner, but rather cleave to that which shuts them out, keeping to the sense of the love and mercy when the Lord is kind and tender to you. When the enemy entered your habitation again and broke your rest, peace, and enjoyment of the Lord, he then drew you into the pit of darkness, where the remembrance of life and the sense of mercy and love vanishes. Here there is no help for you from anything you can do or think, but be patient till the Lord's tender mercy and love visits you again. And then, look up to him against this and such like snares, which would come between you and the appearance of the Lord's love, so that you may feel more of his abiding with you and the sweet effects thereof. For these things are not to destroy you, but rather to teach you wisdom, which the Lord is able, through many exercises and sore trials, to bestow upon you. 
and my soul will exceedingly rejoice to hear that your heart has been rid of all that burdens you and filled with all it rightly desires after. Your faithful friend, Isaac Pennington. To Abraham Grimsden, Friend, you have made some profession of truth and at times have come among us, but whether you have been changed thereby and been faithful to the Lord in what has been made manifest to you, belongs unto you diligently to inquire. There is no safe dallying with truth. He that puts his hand to the plow must not look back at anything of this world, but rather take up the cross and follow Christ in the single-hearted obedience, hating father, mother, goods, land, wife, yes, all for his sake, or he is not worthy of him. The good hand of the Lord is with his people, and he blesses them both inwardly and outwardly. They that seek first the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness thereof have other things also added. But they that neglect the kingdom and are unfaithful to truth, seeking the world before it, the hand of the Lord goes forth against them, and they many times also miss the world for which they seek and labor. Truth is honorable. O oh, take heed of bringing a reproach upon it by pretending to it and yet not being of it in the pure sense and obedience which it begets and brings forth in the hearts and lives of the faithful. O oh, consider rightly and truly, it had been better for you if you had never known truth, nor been directed to the seed and path of righteousness, than, after being directed there, to turn from the holy commandments and deny obedience to the righteous one. May the Lord give you a true sense and repentance, if it be his holy pleasure, and raise you out of this world's spirit to live unto him in his own pure spirit. It is easy to profess and make a show of truth, but hard to come into it. It is very hard to the earthly mind to part with that which must be parted with before the soul can come to possess and enjoy it. Profession of truth without the life and power is but a slippery place from which men may easily slide. Indeed, if men are not in the life and power, they can hardly be kept from that which will stain their profession. The Lord, who searches the heart, knows how it is with you. Oh, consider your ways, and fear before him, and take heed of taking his name in vain, for he will not hold such guiltless. I am, in this, faithful and friendly to your soul, desiring its eternal welfare, and that it may not forever perish from the presence and power of the Lord. Isaac Pennington To an unknown recipient Friend, God breathed into man the breath of life, and man thereby became a living soul to God, to whom, by transgression, he died. But Christ, who was before Abraham, and in due time took up that body prepared by the Father, is the resurrection and the life, who, from the Father, breathes life into man again, and so he comes to live again. And man, being quickened by Christ, is to rise up from the dead and travel with Christ into the land of the living. And Christ is all to believers, in whom dwells all the fullness. The circumcision is in him. The baptism is in him. The righteousness, rest, and peace are also in him. Yes, in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Truly Christ is made unto those that believe in him, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now, it is very precious to feel this, 
but of little value to imagine or comprehend apprehensions about this. For the end of words is to bring men to the thing itself. But the scribes and Pharisees, by their apprehensions upon the words given forth by the Spirit, missed the thing, though they thought they did not miss, but rather were blessed in their knowledge of the law. This same Spirit is alive in many that profess truth now, who, by their understanding of Scripture's words, are kept from the thing of which the Scriptures testify. What did Christ come in the flesh and suffer for, but to unite and reconcile to God? And what is the anti-Christian way of erring from the truth, but to extol the appearance of Christ in the flesh, his sufferings, resurrection, ascension, etc., in that spirit wherein the true union and reconciliation is not witnessed? If we receive the light and walk in the light, as God is in the light, then we have a share of his Son's death and atonement, and his blood cleanses us from unrighteousness, but not otherwise. Oh, that all who truly desire salvation might know the way here and receive from God that which cleanses and keeps clean. Amen. Isaac Pennington To an unknown recipient, Dear friend, I received your letter kindly and in the tenderness of love which desires your enjoyment of the Lord in this world and the eternal welfare of your soul with him forever. It is a great matter to have the mind rightly guided to that wherein God appears, that the soul may wait at the posts of wisdom to hear wisdom's voice, and what says wisdom to he that hears and observes her voice. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Proverbs one twenty three. You have read in the scriptures of the kingdom of God, which Christ told the Pharisees was within them. In parables he also expressed what it was like, even like a grain of mustard seed, like a pearl of great price, like a lost coin or piece of silver, like a treasure hid in a field, like leaven, etc. Now, it is my desire that you might come to the discerning of this. Is there any such thing in you? Surely there is. Do you know it? Are you in union with it? Has it grown and enlarged in you? Is there room made for it, and does it overspread your heart? You say the covenant, the new covenant, is contained in the scriptures. There are indeed descriptions of the covenant in the scriptures, but the covenant itself is an agreement of life and peace made with the soul in the Lord Jesus Christ upon believing in his power and obeying his voice. For thus says the scripture, Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Isaiah 55.3 Now this is what the soul is to wait for, even to feel the power of life breaking the bonds of death and opening the ear to the voice of God's Spirit. Only then will the soul receive his impressions and feel the new creation inwardly, the new heart, the new mind, the new law of life, written within by the finger of God's Spirit, even the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And then this law is the inward rule, even as the outward law was the rule to the outward Jews. You think me somewhat too sharp and severe in my sentence concerning the ministers of this day. I have received great mercy, and I desire not to be sharp or severe towards any. If, therefore, any such thing was written by me, be assured it was in faithfulness to the Lord's requirings, 
All sorts of Christians own Christ in words, but all do not distinguish, discern, nor are subject to the appearances of his spirit and power. Instead, many resist, many gainsay and oppose, through error and mistake, till at length they come to hardness. These are the builders who refuse the cornerstone, the builders rejected Christ's appearance in the flesh in the days of his flesh, and the builders again refuse his appearance in spirit in this day of his spirit. Oh, that any who are tender among them might be sensible of it. Then they might not draw down God's severity and sharpness upon their heads, which if they do, it is not our joy, but a matter of grief to us. Whatever is of God in any of them, my heart cannot help but own, but many take that to be of God, that fear, that faith, that love, those prayers, those hopes, that peace, that joy, etc., which is not truly of Him. Oh, how precious is that light which truly and rightly distinguishes. My sheep hear my voice. The voice of the shepherd distinguishes every deceit and every deceiver. But whereas you say, the spirits are to be tried by the scriptures, I have found it otherwise in my experience. The scriptures may indeed try words, but nothing can try spirits except for the spirit. I will know, said the apostle, not the words of them that are puffed up, but the power. Deceivers may come with scripture words, but they cannot come with the true power of God. Therefore, the apostle John, who bade the believers to try the spirits, told them that they had an anointing from the Holy One and pointed them to that. 1 John two twenty and 27 But who can judge this except he that has the anointing? and is taught by the Lord to try things by it. This one knows how it tries, and what a certain judgment it gives concerning the nature of things, and concerning every voice and every appearance. The Spirit of God searches all things, discerns all things, discovers all things, every snare, every device of the enemy, even the net spread ever so secretly. Blessed are they whose eyes are opened and kept open by Him. Oh, wait to know that wherein the Lord inwardly appears, and take up the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ to everything that is contrary to God, so that it all may be crucified in you, and that your soul may live in the abundance of life and peace. And be not discouraged because of any weakness or because of your age. Your weakness is not your disadvantage, but rather your advantage. For the weaker you are in yourself the fitter you are to have Christ's power revealed and manifested in you. Only wait to know that wherein God appears in your heart, even the holy seed, the immortal seed of life, that it may spring up in your heart and live in you and gather you into itself and leaven you all over with its nature. Then you will be a new lump and may walk before God, not in the oldness of your own literal knowledge or apprehensions of things, but in the newness of his spirit. May the Lord appear to you in the light and demonstration of his spirit in your heart and conscience. May he touch you, quicken you, lead you, guide you, and make you sensible of every appearance of his, so that no motion or drawing of his spirit may be quenched in you, nor any motion of the contrary spirit under any deception be hearkened to. Then you may travel on faithfully, and come to the end of your travels with joy and full peace, reaping the sheaves in life everlasting of all that you have sown to the Spirit. 
This is the earnest and single desire of my soul for you, who am your true and faithful friend and a hearty well-wisher to you and yours. Isaac Pennington To Ruth Palmer Dear friend, whose love I am sensible of, and to whom I entirely wish well, and desire that you may purchase and possess the pearl of great price, and so know and enjoy Christ Jesus the Lord, and witness Him to be eternal life to your soul. I received a letter from you, which occasions my writing to you. With regard to election, we do believe it, according as the Lord has taught us, and as the Scriptures express it. But such an election as shuts out any from the salvation that God has prepared for the sons of men, we cannot own, because the scriptures expressly testify that God would have all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes, we also know it to be his nature. It is the nature of the destroyer to destroy. He would have none saved. But it is the nature of God the Savior to save. He would have none perish. There is indeed a making the calling and election sure, but there is first a coming into the elect seed. And as we are chosen in him and come into him, out of darkness into his marvelous light, out of death into his life, so we must abide in him, for the promise is to the one that continues unto the end. As for that place of Romans 11, it is manifest that there is an election, and that this election is not of works, but of grace. Yet there must be a hearing of the voice. Today, said the apostle, if you will hear his voice, etc. So there must be a coming to Christ, and an abiding in him, and a walking in the straight way, for this is the way God chooses. God has chosen Christ, and the soul in him, and the message is to invite all to come to him, and abide in him to the end. The condemnation is upon rejecting him, and the salvation is to them that receive him, which is not of a man's self either, but men are made willing so to do in the day of God's power. And this power is not far from any, or lacking to any, in the way that the Lord has appointed it. The falling away is not because persons were not elected, but because they let in that which is contrary to the election, and they cleave to it. So there is the heart of unbelief, in which men depart from the living God, and make shipwreck of faith, and of a good conscience, and the ground of their falling is their hearkening not to the Lord, but to the voice and temptations of the enemy. Yes, there are called, and faithful, and chosen. These are states to be come into and abode in. Many may be called who never come to be faithful nor chosen. To witness the peculiar choice of God, this is precious. And then one should not be content with a touch of the calling or a touch of the election, but rather to make them sure. There is no choosing except in the seed. So if you make sure of that seed, you make both your calling and election sure. For indeed, many are called, but few are chosen. And yet, when a man comes so far as to know himself chosen, is he quite out of danger? Did not Paul know his election sure? Yet was he not afterwards careful? Lest, says he, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You say, whom God once loves, he loves to the end. Did he not once love all men, even the whole world? Did he not manifest it in sending his Son for them? 
And they that come into his son, they come into his love. They that come into his love must continue in his love and in his goodness. For it is not persons, God is no respecter of persons, but the seed God loves. In your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And in that seed they are loved, and continuing there, they continue in the love. It is true God's grace appears, and thereby many are gathered. And when any fall, the grace of God appears again, and thereby many are restored. But if any become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, that they hearken not to the voice of grace when it comes to restore, are they restored by it? Indeed, God's compassion did not fail to Israel of old, nor to Israel now. Yet were not many consumed then, who, though they came out of Egypt, yet rebelled, and lusted, and tempted Christ, etc., and so were destroyed by the destroyer. And so, let none make shipwreck of faith now, for it is by faith that any stand, as the Apostle expresses in Romans eleven nineteen through 22 Read and consider. And the Apostle, in a true sense of things, cries, O oh, the depth, etc. Love in severity, mercy in severity. If it be stopped one way, it will break forth more abundantly in another way. And who has known the mind of the Lord, or given him counsel, which way he should manage his love and mercy? Romans eleven thirty three through 34 Indeed, all salvation is to be ascribed to God, and is ascribed to God by all that receive salvation from him. But still, God saves in the way he has appointed, in man coming into the way, in abiding in the way, and walking in the way. Here alone is safety, but out of it is death and destruction forever. All our best righteousness is as filthy rags, it is true. However, the gift of God is not as filthy rags. The righteousness of his Son revealed in the heart is not as filthy rags. The pure offerings and incense which are offered up to God in the times of the gospel are not as filthy rags. Oh, what a state of blindness many are in that they cannot distinguish between what is of themselves and what is of God in them. And so they cannot avoid offering up a corrupt thing, nor can they offer up that which is holy and pure, even the holy sacrifice with the holy fire upon the altar of God. Consider the third chapter, third verse of Malachi, and tell me, if you know, what an offering in righteousness is, and whether it be as filthy rags or no. Consider that place, John three twenty one. He that does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. And what are those deeds that are wrought in God? Is not God holy and pure? And is anything wrought in him except what is holy and pure? Therefore we should wait rightly to distinguish things, and not jumble the precious and the vile together, as if they were all one. As for a method of speaking, I have none of my own, but wait for the method and words which God's wisdom teaches. Indeed, when I speak of the light and the life and the power, I do mean Jesus Christ, who is the light, life, and power. But it is a great matter to come to know him so revealed in the heart. For where he is so revealed, darkness and death and the power of Satan are scattered and put to flight by him. Yes, Satan falls like lightning before the power of his kingdom where it is revealed. This is a blessed experience, 
and these know Christ indeed. The Lord grant that you may so know him, which is the hearty desire of your soul's true and faithful friend, Isaac Pennington. To Joseph Wright, Dear friend, I entreat your son to acquaint my brother Arthur that I took very kindly and was very glad of his affectionate expressions towards me. I have been somewhat concerned that, though my religion had enlarged my love towards him, yet his religion might have diminished his to me. I bless the Lord on his behalf that he enjoys his health so well, and for myself, though I have been exceedingly weak formerly, yet the inward life and comfort which the Lord daily is pleased to administer to me increases the health and strength of my natural man beyond expectation. Blessed be my tender and merciful Father, who has visited one so distressed, miserable, and helpless as I was for so many years. And whereas he says he is like me in speech, but most unlike me in opinion, I pray tell him from me that my religion does not lie in opinion, but in that which puts an end to opinion. I was weary and sick at heart of opinions, and if the Lord had not at last brought to my hand that which my soul so needed, I would have never meddled with religion more. But as I felt that in my heart which was evil and not of God, so the Lord God of my life pointed me to that of Him in my heart which was of another nature, teaching me to wait for and know His appearance there. And in subjection to this, I now experience him stronger than the strong man that was there before, and by his power he has separated me from that within which separated me from him before. And so, being separated, I truly now feel union with him and his blessed presence every day, which, what this is unto me, my tongue cannot utter. I would be glad, if the Lord saw good, that I might see my brother before I die. And if I did see him, I would not be quarreling with him about his religion, but rather embrace him in brotherly love and in the fear of the Lord. As for his being a Roman Catholic, that does not damp my tender affections to him. If he be a Catholic, I'd rather have him be a serious than a loose Catholic. If he has met with anything of that which brings forth a holy life in him, then he has, that far, met with something of my religion, which teaches to order life aright in the light and by the Spirit and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. My religion is not a new thing, though it is newly revealed more fully than in many foregoing ages. Truly it consists in that which was long before the Romish church and will continue when it shall be no more. And he that would rightly know the true church must know the living stones whereof the true church is built, against which the gates of hell cannot possibly prevail. Oh, the daily joy of my heart in feeling my living membership in this church! Here the true gold, the white raiment, the pure eye salve, with which the eye, being anointed, sees rightly, are received and enjoyed inwardly, by such as the world knows not, but rather despises. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I desire my sincere, entire affection, as in God's sight, may be remembered to my dear brother, Isaac Pennington. The following testimony was written by Mary Pennington, the wife of Isaac Pennington, upon the death of her husband in 1679. While I keep silent concerning you, O oh, you who are blessed of the Lord and his people, my heart burns within me. I must make mention of you, for you are a most pleasant plant of renown, 
planted by the right hand of the Lord. Indeed, you took deep root downwards and sprang upwards. The dew of heaven fell on you and made you fruitful, and your fruit was fragrant and most delightful. Oh, where shall I begin to recount the Lord's remarkable dealings with you? He set his love on you, O oh, you who are one of the Lord's peculiar choice. Your very early childhood days declare of what stock and lineage you were. You desired the sincere milk of the word as a newborn babe, even in the bud of your age. And who can declare how you had traveled towards the Holy Land in the very infancy of your days? Who can tell what your soul felt in your travel? Oh, the heavenly, bright, living openings that were given you! God's light shone round about you. Such a state as I have never known of in any other have I heard you declare of. But this it did please the Lord to withdraw, leaving you desolate and mourning, weary of the night and of the day, naked and poor in spirit, distressed and bowed down. You refused to be comforted because you could not feed on that which was not bread from heaven. In that state I married you. My love was drawn to you because I found you saw the deceit of all notions. You remained as one who refused to be comforted by anything that had only the appearance of religion, until he came to his temple, who is truth and no lie. For all those shows of religion were very manifest to you, so that you were sick and weary of them all. This little testimony to your hidden life, my dear and precious one, in a day when none of the Lord's gathered people knew your face, nor were in any measure acquainted with your many sorrows, have I stammered out, that it might not be forgotten. But now the day has broken forth, and you were so eminently gathered into it, and a faithful publisher of it. I leave this other state of yours to be declared by the sons of the morning, who have witnessed the rising of the bright star of righteousness in you, and its guiding you to the Savior, even Jesus, the first and the last. Let those speak who are strong and have overcome the evil one and are fathers in Israel. You have declared of your life in God and have published it in many testimonies. Ah, me, he is gone. He that none exceeded in kindness and tenderness and in love inexpressible to the relation of a wife. Next to the love of God in Christ Jesus to my soul was his love precious and delightful to me. My bosom one, my guide and counselor, my pleasant companion, my tender, sympathizing friend, as near to the sense of my pain, sorrow, grief, and trouble as it was possible. Yes, this great help and benefit is gone, and I, a poor worm, compassed about with many infirmities, through mercy was enabled to let him go without an unadvised word of discontent or inordinate grief. And such was the great kindness the Lord showed me in that hour, that my spirit ascended with him the very moment the spirit left his body, and I saw him safe in his own dwelling place, and rejoiced with him there. From this sight my spirit returned again, to perform my duty to his outward tabernacle. This testimony to Isaac Pennington is from the greatest loser of all who had a share in his life. Mary Pennington